Well, good morning. Come on, is anybody glad to be in God's house today? Awesome. So good to see you. Now, our 1030 service is the service that we're streaming online, so y'all need to behave. I'm just kidding. Uh, but let's make some noise and welcome all of those who are watching online with us today. I'm so glad you're with us. If you have a Bible, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. We are in a series where we are talking about understanding Jesus. And today we're going to talk about the mind of Christ, thinking like heaven, thinking like Jesus, how to have a kingdom mindset. And I really believe with all of my heart that this message is going to encourage you and challenge you. And I believe it's going to break some walls and some barriers down that the enemy has set up to keep you from experiencing the things that God, God has for you. Colossians chapter three, I'm going to start in verse one and I'm going to read to verse three. It says this, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ. He says, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Is there anybody in the room today thankful that when God looks at you, he sees Jesus? Come on, maybe we could put our hands together and thank God for that. When he looks at me, he sees Jesus. When he looked at Jesus on the cross, he saw our sins so that now when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, to worship you, to sing of all of your goodness and so that we can hear your word. Thank you that your desire is that we would leave this place different than how we came in. We give you glory and honor for what you want to do in our lives. We're open to hear it and receive it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 The disciples asked Jesus one time. They asked him, Jesus, how should we pray? And the response of Jesus was this. He said, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus let them know that their prayers can have an impact on what's happening here in the earth. Because he told them, he said, you should pray, God let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is there anybody in the room thankful that we can experience days of heaven on the earth as God's kingdom is not just coming one day, but Jesus said, it's here, it's at hand. As a matter of fact, when Jesus began to preach, he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It has come, it's come near you. So not only is the kingdom of God here and at hand, but also his kingdom is coming. There is coming a day when every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And until then, we are living witnesses. We are written epistles. We are God's voice. We are God's hands. We are God's feet in the earth, tasked with sharing the gospel, reconciling people back to God. And in order to do this, church, we need to have a kingdom mindset. 
We cannot have an earthly mindset. The Bible teaches us here in Colossians, it says that you've been raised with Christ. And so since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind on things above. Set your heart and your mind at a place where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. The Bible even teaches us that we are now the sons of God, that we are now seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm telling you, you you got a seat that's better than the seat you're sitting in right now. You got a seat that is elevated. You got a life that is elevated. It's above all of these earthly things, and it gives you a mindset that if you'll allow it and you'll let it, can change your life and it can change the world around you. But Jesus taught us that the kingdom has to first get into our minds before it can get into our world. It's got to get into our prayers before it can get into our world. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is simply the rule of God, where God's will, his purpose, his desire is accomplished. When Romans 12 is talking about having a renewed mind, Romans 12 is actually teaching us about a kingdom mindset because the renewed mind, he says, Paul says there in Romans 12, he says, is the mind that can discern the will of God. Does anybody in the room want to know the will of God? So we need a kingdom mindset, a renewed mind. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 16 tells us that in the, in the few verses before verse 16, it tells us that the carnal man cannot understand the things of the spirit. It takes a spiritual man to see spiritual things. And that is why the Bible says there that we have been given in verse 16, the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. But are we operating in that mindset? Are we living where we are spiritually seated? Is our mind set? So in other words, a mind set is basically when you put your mind in a specific place. That's why some of us lose our mind. We forget where we put it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? A mindset means that my mind is set in a specific place. A mindset is an established set of attitudes held by someone. And this can be either by default or by design. I would say that most people live life by default and not by design. It's a set of assumptions and methods or notions held by a person. The Bible talks about it as your inner being, as your inner position. Proverbs 20 and 27 says that the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord and the spirit searches all of the innermost parts of his being. Ephesians 3 and 16 says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Biblically, the heart and the mind are the same. Over 200 times in the Old Testament, it mentions the heart in connection with our thought life, with our emotions, with the issues of life, the things that motivate us and guide us. Proverbs 23 and 7 says, for out of a man's heart, whatever a man thinks in his heart, that's who he is. For as a man thinks, brain, in his heart, heart, that's who he is. So a kingdom mindset, different from a worldly mindset, would be an established set of attitudes, assumptions, methods, and notions ruled by God. It means my mind is governed by his rule, his will, his plan, his purpose, his desires, and my responses and interpretations of the things that happen to me in my life are decided in advance by his word. Is there anybody in the room who would rather live your life by the word of God and not your feelings? 
Come on, I'd rather live by God's word and not my emotions. God's word and not my plan. God's word and not my purpose. And this is necessary. And this is not just necessary as an afterthought. This is necessary as the pre-thought, the thought before the thought. In other words, a kingdom mindset is a mindset that is predetermined. It's, it's proactive and not reactive. It's like the psalmist said in, one, in Psalm 118 and verse 24, he said, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. In other words, I have made my mind up before my day gets started. This is who God is and this is who God says I am. Come on, is there anybody in the room who has decided I know who God is and I know who God says I am? And I have to pre-decide that. I have to make up my mind before the day begins. I have to develop a kingdom mindset that is a predetermined mind. And it's, it's listen to me, it's necessary. If we, if we have discovered anything over this past year is that a predetermined mind is necessary in a world that is determined to tear you down. You must be proactive and not reactive. You must not be double-minded. The Bible says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. We must be able to stand on God's word. If not, the Bible says you'll be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Have you ever met somebody that every time something new happens, this is the thing. This is the thing that's going to change their life. This is the thing that's going to change the world. And you're like, but I thought that was going to change the world. No, no, this is the thing. I was wrong. And they're constantly being tossed to and fro. I don't want to be the type of person that's tossed to and fro with every election and with every decision, when everything I see on the news and everything that people say. I want to have a predetermined mind that says, I already know who God is. And I know who God says I am. And it doesn't matter what the world throws at me. Those two things are established set points in my life. It's like the north, the south, the east, and the west. It doesn't change. It's a set. It's a fixed point. It's a fixed position. My mind is set on things above and not on things of the earth. It's like those three Hebrew boys we talked about last week who developed an incredible theology but they developed that theology before the fire, not during the fire. Think about it. They get to the king and the king says, listen, because you haven't bowed, I'm going to throw you in to this fiery furnace. And they said, king, we respect you, but listen, we've got to obey God. And we serve a God who is able to deliver us from this fire. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow. They had made up their minds before they even went into the situation that they knew who God was and they knew who they were. They had made up their minds. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they offer us. We have predetermined that we are willing to lay our lives down for who God is and what God has called us to do. Come on, I, 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 I'm, I'm dreaming of a church. I'm dreaming of a church that has made its mind up that we're not gonna be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. I'm dreaming of a church where it doesn't matter what the news says. It doesn't matter what they say on the TV. It doesn't matter what they say on the radio. It doesn't matter what they write in the magazines. It doesn't matter what they call us on our jobs. It doesn't matter if we get made fun of. It doesn't matter if they mock us and ridicule us. It doesn't matter what they call us. All that matters is what we know about God and what God has already declared about us. Is there anybody in the room today who has decided I'm choosing to serve the Lord? The Old Testament says, hey, choose this day who you will serve. Stop wavering between two opinions. 
And so much of our instability is the fact that we have not decided on whose word we're going to adhere to. And we decide in the moment, oh, wow, this sounds bad. So I guess I'll bow now so that I can live a little bit longer. I guess I'll, guess I'll bow now so that I can make it a few more days. I guess I'll do what the world tells me to do just so that I can, I can get through this fiery furnace. I'll, I, guess I'll, I guess I'll do what everybody says just so that, so that, so that I can get through this. And, 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 and so many times we get into a situation and we're in the middle of the situation and we haven't made our mind up. And so in the middle of the situation, we're like, uh, what's everybody else doing? We gotta have a predetermined mind that says, I know who God is and I know who I am. And this cannot be, listen to me, this predetermined mind cannot be something that is determined by your truth. We live in a culture today that's all about, let me tell you my truth. <laughs> oh man. No, you have an opinion, God has a word. You have a truth. God has a true or true. There's something that's above you. God says this about us as human beings. He says, your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. My thoughts and my ways are so much higher than your ways. But the New Testament gives us some insight. You can have access to these things through the Spirit. The Spirit can teach you what God is saying in an earthly situation. I wanna hear what God is saying. I've been listening to the talking heads for over a year now. I've been listening to the commentators and the analysts and the reporters and the politicians. How about we tune our ear in to what heaven is saying? How about that? How about we decide, you know what, in this situation, I'm gonna get a kingdom mindset. Whew. So my truth cannot be my decision, my predetermined decision. It cannot, because my truth is based in a couple things. It's based in my reality and my ideology. But again, there's a truer true, there's a higher reality, and I must set my mind in the higher reality. Romans 8 and 7 says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law, indeed it can not. It's constantly fighting a war with God. And can I tell you something? It's a war you cannot win. I always laugh when the church gets upset at the world. It's just, it's the funniest thing to me when we act like, what are, this, what are those worldly people acting like worldly people? Why are those sinners acting like sinners? Why are lost people acting like lost people? We get so upset at their, their decisions and, and their, their perspectives and their, and their mindsets. And it's like, it's like, listen to me. They're fighting a war with God they cannot win. Can't beat God. At the end, everybody is gonna get on their knees and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. You're going to lose that fight. You're lose that fight every time. So I can't base it on my flesh. I can't base it on my, even, even my reality. Because my reality could be telling me something that God's word is speaking a different or a better word about. Think about this for a second. In your life, you have, you have, you have, you have these two things kind of working with and against each other. You have an idea life, right? Like the idea life, the idea marriage, the idea job, the, the ideal circumstance, the ideal car, the, the ideal house, right? You have all of these things. And the, the word ideal just means, um, <laughs> it's funny, it's, 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 a, it's like a fixed thought. It's like a, it's like a way you see things as the way they should be. And the problem with your ideals is most of them only exist in your imagination. <laughs> like your ideal job, your ideal marriage. And then you have your reality, which is like your real job, your real car, your real wife, your, <laughs> your, your real kids. Right? Man, I wish those dream kids would just get out of my head and be my real kids sometimes, right? You have these, these two things and they're working with you and against you. And so you have the ideal life and then you have your real life. You have the way you want things to be and the way things actually are. And, and in the middle of all of that is where you, you get pretty much all of your frustration, your disappointment, your conflict, and the problem with us is that in that space between our ideal life and our real life is where we develop most of our philosophy, most of our ideology, and much of our theology is formed there. And if we're not careful, we'll develop ideology, theology even, ways of thinking, that are not the way God sees the situation. If you're not careful, you'll see your marriage in conflict and you'll develop an idea about marriage that isn't really God's idea of marriage. If you're not careful, you'll, you'll see yourself in conflict with your kids. And, and, and I've, I've said this many times, like for me, the hardest part of raising kids has been the teenage years. And and I, I would love, bring the diapers back, bring them back, bring all the diapers back, because the messes I'm having to clean up now, they're worse than diaper messes. And bring those diapers, bring back, the t I'll take the terrible twos where they have a crazy, just they pitch a fit in Target because you don't get them a Batman. I'll take that, just teenage years. And if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll parent, I'll develop, I'll, de I'll develop my ideology, my thought process, the way I think about parenting based on conflict, based on the difference between what I think my kids should be and what my kids actually are. And I'll, I'll always parent them from a space of frustration and disappointment and conflict. So I need to set my mind higher 
than the conflict. I need to set my mind on a, in a place that, that isn't surrounded by the frustration and the disappointment and the anger and the guilt and all of the stuff that I feel because I'm, I, I thought life was going to be like this, but life actually ended up like this. And so now, if I'm not careful, I'll develop a theology about God that isn't true because I, I got sick and, and I didn't get healed, so God must not heal. It's a very dangerous to place to be when you're developing your, your ideology and your theology and your philosophy about life in the space between your ideal life and your real life. Most of us, we live there in that space. We parent from that space. We do life with people from that space. And we're, we're constantly in conflict. That's, that's why, that's why, that's why you hurt the people closest to you. That's, that's why you, you, can, you can go to work and you can put up with junk all day long and then you come home and you lose it on your, your kids and your wife and you kick your dog and you punch a hole in the sheetrock because you're living in that space of, of conflict. You're living in that space of frustration. You're living in that space and your mind is set there. And that's why the Bible says you've got to guard your heart. You've got to guard your mind for out of it flow the issues of life. If you don't have a heavenly perspective about your issues, then your situation will dictate your attitude. Your circumstances will dictate your joy. But the Bible says to me that the kingdom of God in Romans 14, it says that the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. They were, they were arguing over, over if, if, you if, if I can't drink this and I can't eat this, and then I won't be happy. And the apostle Paul was saying, no, the kingdom of God, it's, it's bigger than, than just being able to eat whatever you want and drink whatever you want. It's, the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's, it's a righteousness that's given to us by God. And because of that, now I have peace with God. And because I have peace with God, I've got joy in the Holy Ghost. So it doesn't matter what's happening in the middle of my life. It doesn't want, matter what's happening between my ideal and my reality. I, I, my mind is set on things above. So I could be going through the worst situation of my life and, be, and have joy unspeakable and full of glory. My mind is set. My mind is set. And if, if a phone call or a letter in the mail or a negative comment on social media or a news report can destroy you and, and rob you of your peace, your mind is earthly and it's not heavenly. There is a joy that we have that is not based on our circumstances. It's a set joy. It's set because I'm righteous when God sees me. And because of that, I have peace with God. I have access to God. And I have joy in the Holy Ghost. Man. Those things are set. So I got to set my mind where the things of my life are set and they're not able to be blown around by the wind of doctrine and the unstable nature of our society and our culture and our democracy. And because I have a, I have a, I have, I'm a part of a kingdom that's unshakable. You, you cannot put your hands on this kingdom and shake it. You, you cannot throw threats at this kingdom and shake it. You can't threaten God and he gets nervous and scared. It's set. 
So I, I put my mind there. I put, I put my mind there. If not, I'll live like, like James talks about in James chapter four. In the Message Bible, it, it says it this way. James four says, where do you think all of these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? He said, think again. They come about because you want your own way and fight for it deep inside yourselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. And remember, this past Wednesday, first Wednesday, we talked about how thou shalt not commit murder. That commandment is not just a commandment that people do with their hands and with weapons. Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, he said, if you get angry with your brother or, or you curse your brother, you call him a fool, you are in danger of the same fires of hell that the person who kills someone with a weapon or with their hands is in, in danger of. People are like, I never killed anybody, and that's our thing, isn't it? We're like, I, I, at least I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> but we do every day with our words, with our thoughts, with our actions. And so Jesus is saying, you, you kill to get it. You slander one another. You put down one another. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think, he says, of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. So much of what we want God to do for us, we don't have any right to. I'm going to say this to you, and this might offend you, but I hope it does. God did not send his son Jesus to die for the American dream. I know the Constitution gives you the right to pursue the life and the pursuit of happiness and all that stuff. But you're, you're, as a Christian, you're in a different kingdom now. Oh, man. Your desires are not God's, God's ultimate end. God has no responsibility to finance, to resource your agenda. The Bible says you are not your own. In America, you are your own. You are your individual self. You have your rights and you get to, but the Bible says you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. See, this is where we, we misunderstand God because we think God operates like the United States of America. We think that this is a democracy and we get to vote on whether or not we listen to God. We obey God. We do what, and if we don't like him, we'll just bring another one in in four years. We don't get to do that. He's God alone and God all by himself. There will never be an election. We have to obey. If we're kingdom people, we have to obey kingdom principles, even when those kingdom principles come up against our American principles. Oh, man. He says, he says, he says, you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. Why? He says, oh, I don't want to read this last sentence. He says, you are spoiled children, each wanting your own way. Oh, my God. You're, you're not the two-year-old losing it over the Batman figurine and Target anymore. You're the 40-year-old losing it on your job. 
You're the 30-year-old losing it on the highway when somebody cuts you off. You're the 50-year-old sitting in your house mad at the whole world because you didn't get what you wanted. You deserved it and you've been... Oh, man. And here is where we develop even, even the narrative about our life, the story we tell about the things that have happened to us. It's an amazing thing, isn't it, that we can all be at the same place, hear the same thing, and leave with a different story? You, you should see some of the things that that people get out of my, my sermons. Because you, you all come and you all sit in different seats. I'm just not talking about physical location, I'm talking about in your mind. When you get in here, I'll say certain stuff. And then, if you're thinking one way and you have a certain perspective, you'll take whatever I say and you'll apply it to your perspective. And most of the time, people when they, when they share my sermons, which I hope you're doing online, by the way, share the sermon. But when you share it, most of the time you share the sermon because you agreed with it or I said something you wanted me to say. So you use it as a weapon to throw at somebody else. When I don't, I don't, I, I really don't preach for the amens. I preach for the quiet moments. I love the loud moments. I love it when it gets loud. I love when there's an amen and a hallelujah and people stand on their feet. Man, I love having church, but I'm not really preaching for that. I'm preaching for that moment when you recognize, oh my God, he's talking about me. <laughs> I don't preach for that moment where you're like, oh, my neighbor should have been here today. Oh, if my sister was here today. Oh, if my husband would have just showed up to church today. Let me share this on my Facebook page so everybody I've been arguing with can realize that even my pastor agrees with me. <laughs> Wanting our own way so that we can keep telling the same story. Help us to sit in a different seat so we can see it a different way because where I sit determines what I see and what I see determines what I say. I'll share this with you and I'll let you go. When you read the Bible, you've gotta be very careful with it. I challenge you all, just read the Bible more. But, uh, but I also wanna, also wanna warn you. When you read the Bible, you gotta be very careful. Because when, when you read the Bible, the thing you can't see as you're reading it unless you look for it is the timeline. One of the wildest things anybody ever got me was a chronological Bible. And I read through this chronological Bible and I was like, I can't, that was happening while this was going on and this, and David was writing this while he was going through this and this was, I couldn't believe the order of scripture. And if you read the Bible, you, you'll be tempted to think that something happened the next day because it happened in the next chapter. I'm talking about a kingdom mindset. Kingdom mindset, like, like things can appear as if they happen overnight. Some things do, but most things don't. 
The Bible can appear that things happen within the next moment. But the Bible is really, truly, it's a highlight reel of moments and seasons. The Bible even tells us in the New Testament that if they recorded all of the things that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough libraries in the entire world to hold the books that it would contain. There's so much more than you actually see. Even about Jesus' own life, you see his birth, you see him at 12 years old, you know, in the temple, his mom and dad lose him, and then the next time you see him, he's 30 years old and he's going into ministry. What happened? The Bible is a highlight reel of moments and season. It doesn't show you all the times the routine. It doesn't show you moms changing diapers. It doesn't show you parents driving their kids to school. It doesn't show you your nine to five. It doesn't show you mundane. It doesn't show you ordinary. And if you're not careful, you'll develop a worldly mindset that's constantly looking for moments in life, the highlights of life. Especially in American culture, we, we, we have this culture that just desires, give me my moment, give me my 15 minutes of fame. I, I just want to be happy. And you can even go on, on social media and you can buy more followers. You can buy more likes. You can buy more, more comments. You can, you can buy all of that stuff. You can buy moments. But you can't buy kingdom. You can't do it. So a kingdom mindset begins with a mindset that masters now. When Jesus prayed, he said, give us this day our daily bread. Why was he praying that? Because in the Old Testament, they would get manna from heaven and they had to, they, they had to get rid of the manna at the end of each day because it would rot, because he was gonna do something brand new the next day. Give us this day. The Bible teaches us that we shouldn't even brag about tomorrow because we don't even know if tomorrow's gonna happen. And the Bible teaches us that we should not live in our past because our past is covered by the blood of Jesus. The only moment you have is the one you're living in right now and you have to master this moment. To master the moment, a kingdom mindset says, not only am I gonna master today, this is the day the Lord has made but I have to master my fight. Every person in this room is in a fight. You're either in a fight for your marriage, for your mind, for your children, for your life, for your livelihood, everybody in this room, for your health, everybody in this room is in a fight. And you have to learn how to master your fight, to train your thinking, to train your hands. The Bible says about David that he was skilled at war. He had skilled hands. And it's so important that you develop the things that God, the gift that God has put in your life. It's so important because in 1 Samuel 17, the Bible says that a lion came and it took a, one of David's sheep. And then a bear came and took one of David's sheep. And the Bible says that David was able to take those animals and kill them and rescue the sheep. David had to learn how to kill the lion without harming the lamb. And it's, it's the moments that you're missing in now. And it's the moments that you're missing in your fight. Your fight is for your good. Your struggle is for your good. God will not waste any of your struggles. God will not waste any of your pain. Romans 8 says that he takes all things. Come on, somebody. All of them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. He takes all things and he works them together for your good. As soon as something happens in your life, it becomes, an, it becomes employed by God for your good. 
It's now working for you. It's working for your good. So I have to master my fight. I have to master my now. I have to train my thinking. Philippians 4 and 8 says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He says, organize your thoughts around these things. How many things other than true and honorable and just and pure have I been thinking about? So my ability to master now, my ability to master my fight gives me the ability to master my moment and moments don't happen to you. You create moments by your mastery of your now and your fight. You create moments by your faithfulness. You will, you will miss your moments if you mismanage now. If you mismanage your fight. Everything in David's life, if you think about David, as a matter of fact, if you think about anybody who did anything great for God, everything in anybody's life that was important that happened to them came with a fight. Our salvation is free to us, but it came through a fight. Jesus wrestling his own desire to, to walk away, asking God that the cup would pass, but he chooses God's will and not his own will. Everything that's worth anything in your life came with a fight. Nobody in here has been married for more than five years would say, man, it's just been the easiest thing I ever did. Nobody, it's, it's been difficult. And to get to 20 and 30 and 40 years, you have, you have fought through some things. I, I, the, one of the reasons I'm not willing to give up on my marriage is because I've been through too much. I don't want to start over with somebody now. Are you kidding me? I've been through too much. I've fought for this thing too hard. It's been a struggle. It's, it's been hard. But it's the greatest joy that I have because I fought for it, fought in it fought with it sometimes <laughs> listen if it doesn't come with a fight it's not worth it so the question I want to ask you today is this as we leave and maybe some of us as we leave we leave an old mindset and we walk into a new one as we leave we've got to be we've got to ask ourselves what are we willing to leave as I walk out of this room today, what am I willing to leave in this room today? That's why we still have an altar here. You're still welcome to come and kneel and pray and cry and ask God for things and repent. And that's why, that's why it's still available. That's why we have a prayer team so that you can come and you can leave something here because listen, what's next requires that you leave something behind. The cost of going forward is the inability to go back. You can't go back. Someone told this to me years ago. I'll never forget it. It's so simple, but it like got me stuck. Have you ever had someone tell you something? It's like it hits you in your head and you're like, wait. That, that, they said this. They said, once you learn to read, you cannot go back to being illiterate. It's like, I guess not. I can't unlearn reading. I mean, I guess I could act like, what's
what's that? That's W-H-A-T. I don't know what that says. I mean, how do you even, you can't. You can't go back to not being able to read. Some thresholds you cross mark you forever. And if you cross the threshold from your old life into your new life, old things pass away, all things becoming new. Listen to me, you can't unsee the future. You are now, you have now tasted spiritual heavenly things. And unless you set your mind on heavenly things, just like the world, you can be saved and frustrated because you haven't put your mind in the right place. You haven't put your mind where your spirit is seated. Does that make sense? You cross the threshold from death into life. Now you have seen the future. You have seen God's goodness and your spirit is alive now and it will settle for nothing less than what God has for you. So you've got you've to align your your spirit and your mind. If not, listen to me, you'll always be trapped by your story. And the dominant story in your life will be your pain and not your healing. The dominant story in your life will be your sorrow and not your joy. Your dominant story will be what I deserve and instead of the grace and the mercy of God in my life. Your dominant story will be about who hurt you and everybody that let you down and everybody that disappointed you and everybody that walked away instead of the one who healed me, delivered me, set me free, made me whole, changed my life. Will you stand on your feet today? Isaiah 26 and 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed is set on you because he trusts you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, help us today, God. Help us to align our mind, our heart with what the Spirit of God is saying to us, with what our own spirit is crying out for, our own spirit is crying out like the earth is, is groaning and awaiting the, the manifestation of the sons of God. Our spirit on the inside of us is longing for us to, to be men and women who, who do, who sow to the spirit, who think like the spirit, who are in tune, who are in step with what God is saying, what God is speaking, what God is doing. Help us, God. Help us to not get, get bogged down with all of the earthly thoughts. Help us, God, to have a heavenly perspective, to, to see people the way you see people, to see situations the way you see situations. We can't afford to think earthly right now. The world is it's, it's too, it's too divided. Everybody's too angry. Everybody's too frustrated. There's not an earthly solution to this problem. There's only a heavenly solution. We need a heavenly perspective. We need to sit in a different space so we can see it in a different way so that we can tell a different story. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody in the room said amen and amen. Listen, I was asked just recently, somebody asked, they said, how is your church so unified? Like, it's amazing. There was a story that just came out the other day by a group called the Unstuck Group. And they're a group of leaders that, that do, they help churches grow. And their estimation is that over the next year and a half, about 60,000 churches across the world are gonna shut down. 60,000 churches are gonna shut down. They've estimated that anywhere between 30 and 40% of churches and pastors have, have quit 
walked away from the ministry. Denominations are losing people like crazy. The church is, is struggling right now. I've got friends who, are, who have closed down, shut their doors, will never have church again. So they were asking, how are you guys doing it? How are you guys doing it? You've got hundreds of people coming to church and then you've got hundreds and sometimes thousands of people watch your videos and your streams and all of this stuff online. How are you doing it? How do you have, how do you have unity and your leadership with so many different opinions and everybody's arguing over this and everybody's arguing over that? And, and I, said, I said, we've kept our mind on heavenly things. We've got, there's too much at stake to fight earthly fights with earthly methods. The only way, the only way, the Bible says the weapons of our war, they're not carnal. My weapon is not a Facebook post. My, my, my weapon is, is mighty in God, but the Bible says to the pulling down of strongholds. In other words, heaven has an argument that can defeat every earthly argument. I want that. I want the mind of Christ. Come on, anybody else? Where Jesus would say stuff like, come reason, let us reason together. I've got, I've got an argument that's better than yours, but it's not from an earthly perspective and it's not gonna come at you. Nicodemus, he, he said, how's a man supposed to be born again? Can he climb up into his mom's womb again? And Jesus said, oh man, not getting it. That that's born of the flesh is born of the flesh and that that's born of the spirit is born of the spirit. God, I'm telling you, God is so wise. He has an, argu he has an argument that tears down the arguments of this world. I wanna know the mind of God. So Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. We bless you. Thank you for bringing us here today. In your name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen, I love you so much. Thank you for being here. Our prayer team is gonna be up front and if you're in the room today and you need prayer, maybe you've been away from church and you want to get connected to God again and you want to start that relationship back or you want to make a decision for Christ today, we'd love to pray with you. God bless you. We'll see you soon.